Welcome to the Restless Soul Podcast. We're all restless in a way, chasing after things to find some kind of meaning in this crazy world. Each episode, a guest will share their story and talk about their spiritual quest to satisfy that deep longing. For me, I was restless before I knew God, and now I'm restless as ever. But enough about me. On to the pod. Well, Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. This is my first podcast ever. Oh, mm. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, also welcome to my, uh, we call this the library in my house. Mm. That makes sense. I was like, oh, are we going to drive to the library down the street when you sent me that oh. text? So I was like, oh, he's got like a room in the library. This makes much yeah. more sense. Not quite really as good. nice as a real library, but. I like it. Yeah. It's homey. It's homey. Mm-hmm. Have, th- so this is a rental house that we're about to move out of, but mm-hmm. one of the coolest parts about this house is this giant bookshelf wall, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. So RIP this place in oh. a few weeks. So Yeah. So you guys are all breaking up after you. You're moving in with Sarah. Yep. Yeah. How many months after mar- after your marriage that you guys... How well, many months has it been? So we got married in um, June of last summer. Mm. So we're coming up on a year. Oh my gosh. So actually it will be it will be a year because she moves in next month. So mm. yeah. Wow. A year, a year of marriage and you're finally gonna be in the same house. That's really beautiful. I know, it's so exciting. Mm. It's the promised land. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can see Canaan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, but Abby, thank you so much for, for being here today. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to let's let's dive into your story. Um, so let's just start off with just h- tell me a little bit about yourself. What 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 are you about? What, what do you like? <laughs> let's see. Um, my every morning my day starts with prayer and coffee. Those are important things to know about me and my life and like my dog. <laughs> I guess um, my dog and my husband. But um, prayer and coffee are two very important fixtures in my life. Um, I grew up in Iowa. Um, Ben and I, you and I have kind of an interesting friendship because, um, you lived with my parents when you would visit Sarah when you were, um, when she was in school Mm -hmm. in Davenport, Iowa. So, um, yeah, we're kind of brother and sister in a weird way. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yes, I grew up in Iowa, um, spent a good chunk of my childhood as a, um, Compete, uh, uh, competing as a horseback rider in uh, various disciplines um, hmm. as a theater kid. So I have that weirdness about me also. Same. Yes. Thespians. <laughs> yes. Unite. Honor, I was an honor thespian. I, ha- I, had a, I just thought it was so dorky. I had a, a letter, you know, like a letter jacket. Okay. If you like got to like the quote unquote varsity level okay. of yeah. being in theater, you got a letter oh. that you could like... I'm not quite at that level of dork where I would buy a Letterman jacket for theater yeah. and put my letter on it. <laughs> not, not quite there yet. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about like, like what you do for a living. Sure. So I'm a director of evangelization just down the road from where we're recording right now at St. Charles Little Flower Catholic Church, um, which is just a good, fun time. It's the best the best job um just being able to spend my whole life you know i i have permission to spend 40 plus hours of my life um sitting with people hearing their stories um walking walking with them through various um struggles struggles of faith um and also just 
the best part, you know, is just being able to walk with people in the victory. And there's just, you know, so many more victories than there are um, hardships or, or downsides. Um, seeing people come into the church after years of, of wrestling and, and they're just desiring, desiring the Lord and wanting to go deeper with him, um, making, seeing people make really brave, courageous decisions like becoming Catholic, even if it's um, hard on their family or um, choosing Jesus and having to give up um, a lifestyle that they were really attached to. Um, and just to see that people find just this joy and plenitude and happiness um, in Jesus is just the coolest thing. And I just get to see it kind of like constantly unfold in people's lives. Um, and also just kind of learning that um, my story is not so, or my life or how, how God's working in my life is not so separate. I used to really think that um, like I had my personal relationship with Jesus over here and then I had my ministry life over here. Um, and that they didn't always, they weren't overlapping, but I came to realize is that often what Jesus is doing in my life, he's doing for me, but he's also doing because he has someone prepared for me to walk with. Um, and even just kind of one recent example is I had this really bad knee injury, um, uh, six or so months ago. Um, I'm sure maybe we'll, we'll talk about that at some point tonight, um, and just as I'm starting to kind of turn my turn the co- corner on recovery, um, there's another woman in our community who also suffered a traumatic knee injury, and I've been able to walk with her. And a lot of the things that I was wrestling with and a lot of the truths that the Lord was speaking over my heart, he's been using to ha- as for me to be um, kind of a vessel to speak those truths over her. Um, so it's been cool. It's been cool to see how um, my walk and walking with others is really kind of just overlapping thing. Mm. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Huh? Man, sorry to hear that about your um, coworker. That's terrible. Yeah. It's all right. She's she's a trooper. She's she's doing she's doing really great. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. Let, let's let, let's dive into your story then. Um, yeah. Tell me, like, uh, let's see. <clears throat> yeah, like how, how did your spiritual journey begin? Hmm. If I had to pinpoint a moment where it really began, um, would probably be kind of my first real initial encounter with God was um, at a Lutheran Bible camp when I was growing up. That was like, I went to Catholic school. It was kind of like the thing the cool kids did was to go to Bible camp. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't feel like kids are probably not like that as much these days. Who knows? Um, and I, it was a campfire night and we would do some kind of songs of, of worship. And usually, I mean, it was so much fun, just like a great, a great time all around. I really enjoyed my experiences there. Um, the name of the camp is Camp Shalom in Maquoketa, Iowa. And I just remember having kind of this um, unexplainable kind of peace. It's kind of like per- profound moment where the atmosphere shifted like it's just the i found that to be this kind of repetitive um benchmark way of knowing kind of when the lord really kind of like pervades in a space it's just there's just something that happens the atmosphere changes and i experienced that it was cool um probably like wrote about it in my 
fifth grade diary or whatever <laughs> it is I did and then moved on. Um, a good portion of my story um, is having these moments with God, um, but not having anyone there to accompany me. Um, and so these were really kind of these standalone silo moments in the beginning of, you know, just kind of my spiritual life, I guess you would say. Um, it's just small moments of encounter that were profound, but I had no idea what to do with them. Um, now, of course, I had a sacramental journey. I got baptized on, let's see, July 23rd of 1993 um, and had my first communion. I was confirmed. Um, praise God that I received all those sacraments um, and I did objectively encounter him in those moments, even if I didn't have any sort of emotional experiential encounter. Hmm. Um, that's the best thing about the sacraments is that Jesus always comes. What is the, I'm, you can edit this out. This is not the right Latin, but I think it's like, <laughs> I think it's like ex opere operantis, like, um, which basically if you really dive into it, is that like Jesus when when he says he comes, he comes. And so in the sacrament of the Eucharist, in confession, we know that we encounter him, even if we can be confident that he always comes, that he's bound himself, he's promised um, to come. I heard this really cool analogy just recently um, about the sacraments is like, you know, by faith, what we, we, we try to do is like, we take the ladder, we, we try to put the ladder up to heaven and like climb our way and try to get there ourselves. And what Jesus does is he takes a ladder down from heaven and he climbs the ladder all the way down and he meets us mm -hmm. there. And we can trust that he always comes down to meet us. So those are some of my initial encounters with mm. God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So how, where do we go from there then? Yeah. I mean, really fast forward. Like <laughs> the story is I had all these encounters. Nobody knew what to do with me. Um, and so I... It was just moments of kind of uh, sparklers, fireworks, big explosions, and then I would, it would die back down. I'd go back to living my life exactly the way that I had been. I went back to putting all my worth in how I looked and who found me, who, what person found me worthy and what boy thought I was worthy of attention or love or whatever affection. Um, and of course it was just kind of like you would see the it's like you're in a dark hole and you see like some cool explosion above you and it brings you some peace or some joy for a moment um but it doesn't last for very long what you need is someone who's gonna pull you pull you out and so um i was a let's see a junior in high school when um, a speaker, a Catholic speaker named um, Jason Ebert came to, came to my high school. Um, I have to, now this is in like the internet sphere or whatever, I have to give like a shout out to um, a gentleman named Rob Arth, who um, the, um, our school was planning on having Jason Ebert come to speak found out they weren't going to be able to afford it, so he was going to have to cancel his appearance. Rob Arth, who was a guy at our church when I was growing up, put forth his own money for um, Jason to come. Mm. 
And I heard the gospel preached to me for the first time ever. And if Rob had not stepped, mm. stepped out of the boat, you know, um, laid his money at the fa- at the, the feet of Jesus and said, do what, do what you want with this, then this m- initial encounter, which was really kind of the beginning, the beginning of, of what started to happen wouldn't have happened. Um, so I'm hearing the gospel. And the amazing thing is when a person who knows Jesus and knows the gospel preaches it, um, people ought to be and will be overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the gospel and brought to a point where they have to respond. There's no, um, Bishop Barron says that, actually, Ben, Ben, you, you heard this talk by Bishop Barron at Seek um, mm-hmm. this past February. He says, you know, if you preach the gospel or you preach Jesus and people are indifferent following it, then you didn't do a good enough job preaching Jesus to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, the very, the virtue of the gospel is that it demands a response. Um, and if we hear the gospel and we don't feel like there's any response required of us, then we need to go back and revisit it again. Hmm. And we can't preach the gospel to ourselves, at least not initially. We have to hear, you have to hear it from someone. And so I heard this gospel, this message of Jesus's redeeming love. Um, just he, he, just shed shed light in like this this light that was um, peaceful and uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, my wounds and my, you know, my desire to find my worth and all of these things, but also shed light on like, hey, that's not working. Like all these pursuits, they're not they're not working. They're not bringing you um, the the satisfaction that you desire, um, and. Uh, just like drinking salt water, you know, I think that's something he said is like, you just like you drink salt water and you just get more thirsty. It doesn't quench your thirst. You just get more thirsty. The more you try to just, um, the more your wounds, you, you're living out of your wounds. Um, and so again, I was overwhelmed and just knew, knew that this was not Jason Evert up on this stage, but this was Jesus Christ speaking to me that you are good you're worthy of my love. I want your heart. You are mine. And the question was, okay, Abby, what are you going to do about it? Like what, what's next? So of course Mm. I was just like eating all this up. I wanted, I wanted more and that I just could, I was just grabbing onto anything that I could. And at this time, um, a man named Vito, who was a former net missionary, um, noticed noticed what was happening in my heart, um, and started to walk with me. Um, and he encouraged me to reach, um, or he encouraged me to apply to be a net missionary. I think he just knew that there was, um, something there for me. Um, so I did, um, I applied, I was applying to college. My mom was terrified. (laughs) She was, um, Again, one of those uh, one of those moments where like you encounter Jesus and you're just like ready to leave it. You're just ready to leave it all behind. You're ready and you do um, sell sell the field or buy the whole field with all of your money in order to purchase the the pearl of great price. Um, and so I was ready to I was ready to lay down whatever whatever he wanted me to lay down, and that meant. 
a scholarship to college, if that meant financial security, if that meant, I don't know, my plans in general, I was wanted to do that. Um, and I think that's one of the really cool things um, about kind of the beginning of our journey and our encounter with Jesus is we really just, yeah, we're just, we're ready to give it, we're ready to give it all. Um, and the struggle is with our continual walk with Jesus is maintaining that disposition of being willing to give it all, to give everything. Um, because it's really easy, you know, back then I was placing my worth in what you might call like kind of classically worldly things. Um, but even now my attitude is I'm still placing my worth at times in worldly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they're a lot more subtle. You know, I work for the church. My attachments are a lot more, um, unse- uh, unknowable. You might not know it, you know, my attachment to, um, my standing or my reputation. Like I have to detach. I have to be willing to even give my reputation. I have to be willing to be misunderstood, um, dismissed, slandered. I have to be, be willing to be that if that's something that Jesus is asking of me or permitting, permitting to happen for his purpose, for his glory. Um, and so I had this really initial hunger of like, Jesus, I'm willing to do anything. And um, I attended a interview weekend where I went to West St. Paul, Minnesota, stayed for a weekend, um, learned the life of net, learned, um, you know, just more information. They, they said, you know, you're discerning, we're discerning if we want you to become a missionary, but you're also discerning if you want to do net, you know, this is a, this is a two way discernment. So we want to give you all of the information possible. Um, I was spending a lot of time in prayer, something, again, they were teaching me how to pray. No one had ever told me like, Hey, it's probably a good idea to like pray, have a consistent, dedicated period of time that you're praying every single day and just being with God. Um, never considered that. This was probably like the first weekend I'd ever had like multiple days consecutively where I prayed more than like 15 minutes. Um, and, um, the, the final night of the interview weekend, I guess I went to sleep. Um, and a lot, a lot of the people had uh, left the night before. You could have left the Saturday night. I stayed Sunday morning because I had a long drive back down to Iowa. And um, I woke up from sleep um, to the sound of a voice. Um, mm. It's the only time this has ever, ever, ever happened to me. Um, it was not that... Um, still small voice that happens in prayer, you know, that, that the voice within our own heart, um, it was auditory. It was in my ears. Um, this man's voice, beautiful, irrepeatable, never, never has any sound on this earth come close to this voice. Hmm. Um, and the very simple words I heard were, um, the scripture, John ten ten, I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. Hmm. And um, I call this my Mary, my Mary Magdalene moment because I like shot up out of bed. I like was in my pajamas and I just like ran around the whole net center telling every single person that I could like what it just like I had just like I had met Jesus like not theoretically um, not to dismiss my previous encounters, but it wasn't just like a feel good moment Mm. at a campfire when I was in sixth grade. Mm. Um, This was a physical almost encounter with Jesus. Um, 
and I've never, never been the same hmm. since that moment. Um, he's been kind of continually sending me out to do, to tell my story. I'm honored to be here to tell it again, you know, um, to get, to get his words, to get his voice, because it's not just for me. These words are not just for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Mm. Well, let's pause right there. We'll, we'll resume in a second because I have a couple questions for you. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, when you had this encounter at the uh, with the Jason Everett talk, mm-hmm. um, how old were you? Were you in high school? Or? Yeah, I was probably like sixteen or seventeen at this point. Okay, mm-hmm. got you, got you. And so, um, it's good. It might be helpful for the audience um, hearing. Um, when when you felt the when the Lord was speaking through this talk mm-hmm. t- to your heart, telling you that like you were His, so t- you mentioned like before that that you know you were if you were finding trying to find worth in your parents and like boys and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, a lot of high schoolers can relate to mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't know. Do, do you mind expanding upon like like that wound a little bit, if whatever you're comfortable with sharing? Because yeah. I feel like the more the more you can kind of explain that like the need for Jesus, that might be helpful mm. to then con- to contrast then with mm-hmm. everything that you experienced after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to get real specific, I mean, about particular wounds. I mean, I think the, the wounds that were really kind of festering at that point were, um, the wounds of shame, you know, believing I'm not enough. Um, I'll, I'll never be enough. I'm, you know, too, too ugly or too stupid or, um, not, I don't have like the greatest person you know, just all those kind of lies from the enemy that, um, that just in the back of our head or it was in the back of my head just constantly, you know? And so it was kind of, you know, those moments of like, I mean, being a young woman, um, even like adult in in my adult life, I still kind of struggle with this. I'll, I'll put on makeup and I'm like, okay, why am I putting this on? Like what, is there a lie that am I putting this on because I'm believing a lie? Um, am I putting this on because I believe a a truth about who I am, um, and whose I am? Um, makeup's kind of a silly example, but it's just one of a lot of those just really mundane decisions, um, that we don't realize we're making because of our woundedness. And so that's kind of a silly example of that. Um, I mean, I was hopping from relationship to relationship my whole, all through high school, um, and again, that wasn't a pattern that was like immediately broken when I encountered Jesus either. Um, he changed the context of what my relationships ought to be. Um, but I'm still fallen and I still run back to the quote unquote safety of my wounds all the time. Um, but, um, another wound was the wound of abandonment, um, again, the super, super realness is my younger brother has autism. Um, I was second my whole childhood. Um, of course, this is something that praise God, I've been able to reconcile with my parents about, you know, I, this is not me just like airing my dirty laundry about my, my childhood growing up. Um, but my brother was first, you know, he had really important needs. And so, um, I was either, I kind of felt like a third parent or an only child a lot of the time um, that I was just kind of on my own. Um, I had to figure out, I had to do things for myself. I had to arrange things for myself. Um, That's something that I've even been kind of, again, a wound, a lie that's coming back into my life now is um, 
things don't go according to plan or they're not going exactly how I thought God wanted them to go. And so I go right back to like overly managing my life because other people can't be trusted to be present to me. I have to do it for myself. Mm. I have to arrange, do I have, I'm the only one that I can trust. Mm. Um, that happens. That's still a wound that's coming up a lot. Um, and so, um, really just kind of feeling this abandonment that I didn't have a family, particularly I didn't have a father that I could count on. Um, I am also realizing, I think a lot of us, maybe a lot of kind of disciples as we get older, realize that, um, father wounds are a lot more pronounced. Um, our father wounds really have kind of a tangible, like very visible effect on us. But I think a lot of us also don't, don't realize that, um, wounds from our moms are really pervasive. And also I think run deeper and are a lot more hidden. Um, that's something I've been continually discovering in my own life. Yeah, so um, abandonment and shame were kind of two very particular wounds. Um, and because of that, you know, running to um, like guys particularly to speak my worth to me, mm. um, which like even a great high school boy is like not going to do a good job of that. <laughs> um, yeah. Even someone like awesome, you know. Um, and so just relationship to relationship to the re- relationship. And um, if that relationship didn't work out for whatever reason, it just reinforced like, oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I, again, this, this is another person who can't be trusted. Um, and if I would which I did build my worth upon someone else's opinion of me. Then when their opinion of me changed, my whole world shattered. Um, I, I, I had built my whole life upon a person. Mm. Um, and so when I found the one, the capital O one who is trustworthy, who, I could count on who his, his opinions of me were not shakable. Um, and, and like my opinions of his opinions didn't shake him. Um, so in any, any given day, if I don't believe I'm worthy of love, like that doesn't change whether I'm worthy of love. Mm. Um, my, my doubts about his truths don't change those truths um, and don't make me any less lovable mm-hmm. in his eyes. Um, and actually my, my ability to be honest and vulnerable with him, like that's, I mean, I love this conversation because I love getting just the, the realness of what this, what relationship looks like. Um, and the most important person that we have to be raw and vulnerable with is our Abba, our father, um, because he's not going to run away. He's not going to be scared, scared off by our wounds. He, he loves that we run to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, wow. Yeah. That's, that's great. Wow. Yeah. It's beautiful to hear. Um, like I think it's helpful for me. I know to hear like, your desire for the Lord and like where that came from and like with your family life, it's like, it all goes back to family life. Like for me and my, in my journey, it's like, it all comes back to family life. Like 
I've got father and mother wounds and, and some big mother wounds actually is mm. the biggest ones. Mm. Um, so I can, I can definitely relate with what mm. you said. Um, and, uh, it, it's helpful to, to hear that and to hear, um, yeah, like how the Lord can really, um, can like truly be that father, mm. you know, that's something that's been really helpful for me is like whenever I've had, um, times where I've felt like my parents have let me down, you know, um, a, a huge solace that I can take is to know, like, like my real father will never let me down. And like, um, that's really helpful. Something that I was thinking about recently that, that relates to what you're saying is, um, uh, thinking about the father and his relationship with us as his children and realizing like, like, so I've always looked at my, in my spiritual life, like, um, uh, like I would, I'd, I'd be close to him and then I'd like turn and walk away. Mm-hmm. And then when that went, and then when that would happen, I would actually be, I'd be away from God. And then I'd turn back towards him and I'd be close with him. And then I, mm-hmm. and then I'd, I'd turn away and, um, and I was praying and I, and I, I felt like the father was telling me like, like, uh, you know, whether, you, whether you're, whether you're following me or you're not, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whether you're, um, yeah, like like whether you're you're doing good or or doing bad, like you're still my son, mm-hmm. and uh, and I still like love you the same, and I mm-hmm. still I still find you delightful, and I still mm-hmm. see your heart, and I find your heart, mm-hmm. um, uh, like lovely, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, regardless of where mm-hmm. I am in my life, and that was that was like really hard for me to hear because it's so easy to get to to get you know talking about what you're talking about with like you know with your father and with like. In like people and feeling like your worth is in someone it's like i'm so used to thinking that like well the lord loves me and he wants my heart like when i want to give it to him mm-hmm. and and actually he he wants it regardless mm-hmm. it's like that love never changes like you said mm-hmm. um and and man what a what a relief um to to know that there's someone who like wants you no matter what um and it's it's so um it's something that i remind sarah all the time and I, i'm sure mm-hmm. it's something that comes up in, in marriage too is like um, you know, we're so lucky to have a soulmate, to have someone on this earth that mm-hmm. we can share life with and that we just love more than anyone. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's something that's just so, um, wonderful and healthy and just like, and so healing to know that, um, that there's a God that loves me more than like my spouse ever could. And like more than a father could or a best friend, um, just to know the like that, you know, you can rely on mm-hmm. that, on that love. Um, is so freeing because like you said, you know, it's so easy to just want to put so much pressure on people. It's like, we're all, and, and hearing your story is so similar to a lot of the stories that I've interviewed because, um, it's interesting how, you know, so many, uh, of, of those that I, that I really admire in their faith. And like, you are one that I very much admire, like how big of a heart you have for the Lord. And I think a big part of it is, you know, um, like you have a big heart because you have big desires and and you have big and in some ways like wounds that you you face and you have you have this like this big need and 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 by the grace of God you've allowed God to fill that need mm-hmm. and and that's 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 made your heart big for him mm-hmm. because you've like allowed him into all that and so it's kind of like this this beautiful dichotomy of like of um of of having this like big well that's empty but then allowing it mm. to, to be flooded in and some people they just don't they don't maybe they don't see the need you know maybe they've mm. got they're comfortable mm. or maybe they're 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 afraid to allow that to happen mm. um but it's yeah it's just just beautiful to hear so yeah thank you for sharing that yeah definitely i i think a lot of truth to what you're saying is that there's 
safety, false, false safety in our woundedness in living in our woundedness. Um, something that, um, during my knee injury, um, I had, um, a friend of mine come pray with me again, just one of the countless instances of divine providence. She's extremely busy, um, in, uh, academic life. And, um, she had one afternoon that she's, that she felt like the Lord was telling her to carve out for someone and she didn't know who it was me. Spoiler alert. And I texted her and I said, I really need someone to pray with me. Can you come over to my house? At this point, it's winter. I couldn't drive. I couldn't walk without crutches. Um, really struggling with just losing. Um, again, what I was mentioning earlier about just that maintaining the willingness to part from anything if Jesus asks, asks or per- permits it. And my mobility was one of them. Um, my comfort was was one of those things. And I just really needed someone to pray with me. And so she came over. And um, as we're praying, just kind of asking the Lord to reveal, just like shine, shine that harsh, uncomfortable light on those places of darkness um, in my heart. And one thing that um, was revealed is that I had made an inner vow with fear. I had made this vow. um, Now, Allah, we think like, oh, we make these inner vows and vows are serious, especially when we make them with things that are not of, of the Lord. Praise God that things when we make vows with things that are not of the Lord, he is bigger and he's going to, he can break those. He can break those vows. Um, and so I had made this vow with fear. Um, not like dear fear, I may make a vow with you. You know, it's a lot more subtle than that. Um, but I had realized that I had put my trust in fear, which was one of these major wounds that I was struggling with. And I had really this stronghold of fear that was just keeping the Lord out and kind of, keeping me prisoner and um this vow is just that i i believed that fear was i could count on fear but i couldn't count on god um that fear was more reliable i knew i could always be afraid um but i didn't know that god would always be be present with me or that he always loved me or that he had my back this was a i mean truly the this time of injury was probably the most difficult season of my life um, and it was, is a good reminder to me and all of us that, um, like we, we empty our hearts and give our everything to Jesus. Um, and that doesn't mean that hardship goes away. Um, but it means that, you know, if I had had this injury in this season of my life before I had met Jesus, um, what that season looked like now and what it w- might've looked like would be completely completely different um and how i would look on the other side um would be completely different um i would be worse off without him i mean that kind of goes without saying maybe um and so anyhow i i had this inner vow with fear this stronghold of fear um and was able to you know by the intercession of a friend and her just kind of leading me through because i had to you know with jesus next to me. I had to break that. I made the vow. Um, I had to break it with Jesus. You know, it's kind of like if you have a chain and you've got my hand on one side and Jesus's hand on, on the other, maybe both, I've got both hands on the chain and, and Jesus's hands are just over mine. Maybe that's a better image. And, and he just kind of like rips it, rips it apart just easily. But if I had just had my hands on that chain without him, like I wouldn't have been able to break that. Mm-hmm. Um, because fear is strong. Fear is strong. Um, mm-hmm. 
and sneaky. And um, uh, so just praise God that I was able to kind of work through that. But it was just an example um, of how there's sa- there can be this false safety in our wounds and in our fears um, because it's it's hard to say, but like, you know, the, the, the Christian walk, um, I guess we have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, um, in the middle of our story, which is most of it, like, um, until Jesus calls us home, um, there's going to be discomfort. Um, some of that discomfort is going to be natural consequences of my own sin and my own choices. Um, and some of that is going to be kind of the crucible. It's going to be putting that gold in the fire to, to purify it, um, which is what I believe the Lord. I think he, there was healing in my heart he could not do um, except for in this longer period of time, of this longer period of purification. Um, just because he knows, you know, he knows us. Not that he could, he could have healed me instantaneously and I had people praying over me for physical healing. Um, he could have healed this, you know, wound of fear, you know, three months before I had Monica come and pray with me. Um, but he knew that I'm a sanguine personality. He knew that, um, I take things for granted. He knew that I'm presumptive and that if he had instantly healed me, I would not have learned my lesson. <laughs> I would have not, I would, I would not have taken what he needed me to take. There was just a slow, painful healing, healing process that he, he entered into with me or brought, brought me into. Um, yeah. And, and has revealed once again, that he's the safest place. Um, even in my wounds and in my suffering, he's still the safest place that I could be. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, you said that you had um, you were on the uh, Net Ministries. Um, you had the uh, um, encounter with the Lord, mm-hmm. and you were sharing with people. By the way, do you want to explain what Net Ministries is for those who don't know what it is? Sure. So uh, Net stands for the National Evangelization Team. Um, there are at this point 15, 15 plus teams. Um, that are all all net teams um it's a catholic missionary organization um whose mission i can't i can't believe i still remember this but the mission of net is challenging young catholics to love christ and embrace the life of the church um and so i was put on a team in 2011 um and i was put on a team with 10 10 other young adults from all over the country and we also had a teammate from england and um, we, men and women, we lived in a van. <laughs> a van, we had a, our belongings were um, a suitcase that was very specific specifications of like how big the suitcase could be and how heavy it could be um, because God bless the brothers on our team. They carried our suitcases everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, so we had a suitcase, a backpack, a sleeping bag and a pillow. And if you played guitar, you could bring your guitar along and that's, that's all. Um, we were essentially in a new town every night. Um, I think we visited 33 states in the U.S. by the time that our year was done. Um, yeah, a new, a new town and a new host family pretty much every evening. If we got to stay somewhere longer than three nights, we were like overjoyed. We, <laughs> we were so excited to have some place to stay. Um, and our, our mission was putting on retreats for junior high and senior high 
students and um, trying to um, do do what was done for me and do what was done for all of us on our team is that um, we had met Jesus and we wanted other people to meet him. And so um, putting on retreats for students who um, I think I could say pretty confidently, I don't think there was a single retreat where at least one student didn't have a profound encounter with Jesus. And I'm sure many more that... Um, that just the small the small seeds of breakthrough were planted, and um, we, um, like uh, I think it's First Corinthians somewhere, you know, I think Saint Paul says, you know, like I might plant the seed, you know, Apollos might do the watering, but God gives the growth. So we were just happy to play our part in that. Um, it was the most transformative year of my life. Um, the formation was incredible. Again, something I was hungering for. I had all. Thank you for that affirmation big desires, um, no direction of where to put them. And then I show up at this five weeks of training, um, two of which they take all of your technology and you leave it in Minnesota and you go to Wisconsin for a two week kind of retreat within the training, um, where you dive really deeply into, um, your relationship with the father, son, and Holy spirit. Um, all of which were profoundly impacted and my relationships deepened because of those, that training. Um, even just particularly one memory that's coming to my, my mind, I'm not sure why, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna share it. Um, is, um, we as, uh, women had what's called women's liturgy where all the women would, um, have mass, just, just the, I think it was probably the 70 of us. Um, and, before the the um, liturgy, um, we all kind of had, they gave us this craft. We didn't know what it was for, but we were essentially kind of making crowns for one another. Um, just, you know, be- beads and ribbon and flowers and um, all like put on these kind of like supposed to symbolize like our heavenly crowns, like put on our heavenly crowns, our kind of royal robes. Mm-hmm. They told us to dress super nice for for this liturgy. Um, none of us had ever experienced this. We didn't really even know. I'm not sure they even told us it was women's liturgy. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we show up and the priest gives this incredible homily about um, that we're brides. Um, mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it's so incredible. We... Um, you know, mass continues. Um, we were, um, about to go receive the Eucharist and, you know, the kind of typical Catholic response is like, everybody stands up, you know, like it's time to go to communion. You stand up. Everyone's like pretty eager to like get in the line and like go around, you know, Mm -hmm. I am too. I want to receive Jesus as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, so they told us sit down. I was like, Oh, okay. Already this is kind of weird. And, um, they tell us that what we're going to do is instead of kind of like getting out of your row and just walking up is like each row starting at the front, you're going to go around to the back and start in the back of the church. Um, and we noticed that they had lit candles on down the aisle on both hmm. sides, little votive, votive candles. Um, and each woman walked up to receive Jesus in the Eucharist one at a time. Hmm. Um, and really kind of encourage us to think of this, like we're meeting our bridegroom, mm. like we're the bride, we're meeting our bridegroom in the Eucharist. Um, and that had just an incredibly profound impact on my relationship with Jesus. Um, and, um, and there were many, many other moments um, throughout my net year, but I think one thing, again, talking about wounds, um, is I, I met um, my teammates healed so many wounds 
for me. Um, my sisters, the women on my team, we call each other sisters and brothers. My sisters, you know, really taught me how to have real relationships with women, you know, where, whereas like all of my relationships with women previously, um, I think I could pretty confidently say all were marked by in one way or another competition or comparison or kind of like fighting for fighting for something, you know, like Mm. it, it, it was, there was always some kind of fallen dynamic to my relationship with women. Mm. Um, and so I was able to just be like loved well by these women and some of whom were almost 10, 10 years older. I was 18 when I was on net. My oldest teammate was, I think she turned 27 on the road. And so, um, and my other sisters were, um, I think 24, 22, 21 and 19. So I was the youngest, which is also, I was the oldest sibling. So I kind I really liked being the youngest on the team. I liked being the little sister that everyone kind of like cared for and looked out for and was mm. like, Oh, Abby, like, how do you not know this? You know, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, and so my sisters are just really healing for me in my relationships with women. And then my brothers were incredibly healing in my relationships with men. Mm. Um, one of the things they say on the road is, I mean, you're not allowed to date your teammates or initiate any sort of new relationship with anyone on the road on the road we being on net is kind of we call it on the road um because that's what you're doing here on the road um and so just men that were just able to kind of love me with this agape love with no self-interest or you know much less self-interest than i was used to um men that weren't just out for what they could get from me um but truly just wanted to honor me and love me um even just one particular example, um, we stayed we stayed with two two different families who were part of a community called the Brothers and Sisters of Charity, and um, just couples that just loved these married couples that just loved each other, um, and were very again very healing for me. Um, and we stayed at a family's home in um, somewhere in New Jersey, kind of like not the rough bad part of New Jersey with like the bad pizza and the cranky people, but like <laughs> country. Sorry, sorry, New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> but like the like country kind of foresty um New Jersey. Oh sorry, New Jersey. I said New Hampshire. Yeah, New oh, Jersey. Oh <laughs> actually New Hampshire's on, on my list of places to go. Um and so Jersey, yeah, we were in this really great, great kind of tucked away place in the wooded area. And um the husband and wife were just really incredible for us. Um, and we got to stay there for our a personal retreat for our team. So, f- you know, a day when we weren't giving a retreat, but got ministered to, which we desperately needed at that point. And um, the women were all um, in the, the bedroom of the, the, the mom who was hosting us, our host mom. And um, we just knock on the door and we see our brothers come in with um they're all wearing like really funny hats which we had like no clue where those came from um our host dad had a ukulele and they wrote us a song and sang it for us just to just to honor just to honor the women and then the last line of the song was here's some fondue and they roll in this card with melted chocolate and like all of this like something that you might consider in like any other context to be like a super like overtly romantic gesture. Um, but it was just these men who just truly wanted to just honor us in, um, being their sisters and our femininity, um, and just kind of 
give us a gesture of, of care and love. And that's a pretty universal experience with people who are on net is they just experience um, a real healing and how to have friendship with the opposite sex, you know, it's mm-hmm. really, it can be a, a difficult um, road to walk. So just a couple of silly examples of yeah. net. It's probably longer than you wanted me to go talking about it, but there we go. No, yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks. That's awesome. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, I guess what I'll ask you now is like, um, looking back now, it seemed like there were a lot of like moments where you encountered the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was there, was there like a, a, a pinnacle moment as you look back? It's fine if it was one that you already shared mm-hmm. and of, of, of where you really like where you were sold on with the Lord. Um, and then a mm-hmm. second part to that would be, um, yeah. What, what were you to put it simply, like what were you ultimately looking for mm-hmm. and how did you, and how did you find it mm-hmm. in the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had to pick one pinnacle moment, I think it would absolutely be, um, Jesus waking me up from my sleep, you know, um, and just that particular love that he had for me that it was just, yeah, Lord, everything, everything is yours. Um, like I had, I had moments, you made me my pursuit, you know, I went to that talk by Jason Eber and I was like, oh my gosh, he's in town. Like how many other talks can I go to, to listen to? Like I was hungry. I wanted more. Um, but I, I, I wanted things from him, but I hadn't, didn't have the language or, or didn't, I wasn't ready, whatever, to give back to him in that moment just yet. I think even just my decision to say, okay, I'm willing to lose my scholarships to college to, to do net was kind of an, an act of faith where I was making that step towards being all in. Um, but I think that particular moment that morning, that was January 23rd, 2011. Um, so if you ever want to break into my phone, that's my password. Cause I really try, I, re- I want to remember that date. So, um, I, that was kind of my, my breakthrough moment. And then you start your second question was, what were you looking for and how did, and how did you find it in the Lord mm, ultimately? Yeah, I think the, the, ultimate thing I was looking for was redeeming love, um, was to be, to be pursued. Um, there's, there's this, one of my favorite passages in scripture is, um, I think it's Ezekiel 16 and it's a story of, um, kind of this allegory of, of Israel and, um, God's love for his chosen people and talks about like uh, his analogy of this young girl who um, was born cast off by her parents, like grew up on the side of the road, um, not clothed, no food, um, emaciated. And this wealthy man, this father comes along, picks her up off the side of the road and, um, you know, like makes her beautiful where she was, ca- where she was once cast off, like she was now chosen. Um, he gave her the best of everything. So the scripture goes really in detail, which I wish we could go into, but I won't, you know, he put, you know, a ring in her nose, um, embroidered clothes, um, earrings in her ears, sandals on her feet, and a crown on her head. Um, and 
where she was once belonging to no one, she now belonged. Um, and that's my story. Um, I didn't belong. I didn't fit. I wasn't chosen, you know. No one ever has or ever will love me perfectly. Um, There's a um, great book by Father Jacques Philippe called Interior Freedom, and he has this great passage about, you know, other people's disappointments, um, they can lead us to despair. Um, Even people who we have a right to expect things from, like our spouses or um, people in authority over us. Um, But even when they let us down, that leads us to have a love that is more disinterested and and leads us to to find our love where it it truly comes from, Um, our belovedness from who it truly comes from, which is our father. Um, And so even when we, even when I run away from it, um, yeah, kind of what you were saying, like, it wasn't like we moved away from each other. It's just his feet just matched, matched with ours as we walked away. Um, and he brought us back. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you, uh, so you do net and then how do you get from there to where you are now at Little Flower? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the, Cool, cool thing um, that, again, one of those just examples, obviously, you know, we, we don't believe in the prosperity gospel that Jesus just gives us everything, all the material goods that we want, um, but we know that he's a provider. Um, he's a father. That's mm-hmm. one of the things he does, and he does it super well. Yeah. Um, he's a provider. And um, so when I was discerning between net and uh, college, I was like, okay, these are two doors in, in front of me. Um, and Lord, uh, this is probably the first time I'd ever thought anything in the realm of discernment or like seeking God's will. Again, that was not the language or the culture that I grew up in going to Catholic school, you know, it was like, get straight A's. Like that was the culture I grew up in. And, um, so I said, okay, here are two doors. And the simple thing is like, Lord, you just are going to open one door and, and shut the other. And the side, my side note to myself was like, and if you open both of them, I'm going to do that. Like, I just really wanted, I really had a desire for that. So, um, I applied for this scholarship program that, um, was really awesome and didn't even get an interview for it. So I was like, okay, but I got accepted to net. So that was, that was the answer to that. As I was on net, obviously I had to start thinking about what, what was coming after and so I applied for this scholarship again. And wouldn't you know it, like having done a gap year and having like a missionary, being a missionary on my like resume um, was something that they were really interested in, you know, some diverse experience or whatever. And so I got an interview and I got into the scholarship program. So um, that determined, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident that the Lord's provi- providing for me. Um, also the program included a free like expenses paid study abroad to Rome for a J term. So I was like, okay, I want to do that. So I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, so that kind of, I, I actually hilariously, um, we stopped at, um, uh, Steubenville, Ohio for a night and I, I was really nervous to go to Steubenville cause we were going to stay at the university and maybe I think we were going to do a recruiting event there. I was terrified because 
one of my teammates knew she wanted to go to Steubenville next year. She was going to transfer from uh, SLU. And um, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to fall in love with Steubenville. And I'm going to want to go. I have this great scholarship. Like, I'm going to want to go to Steubenville instead. And I went there and I was like, hmm, it's all right. <laughs> like, Steubenville is a great place. But it clearly the Lord did not put the desire in my heart that, that this was this was supposed to be my home for the next four years. Um so I went to Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa, um, named after the guy who slapped St. John Vianney, if you want to know that. Did you know that story? No. Yeah, yeah. There's like this great story of St. John Vianney and like um, he was getting tutored in Latin. And obviously a lot of people thought he was like not going to amount to anything. He was going to be a bad, not a very good priest because he was dumb um, by their standards, I suppose. And so he had this tutor in France who like slapped him upside the head and said like, he'll never amount to anything. Um, and one guy's a saint and one's not. So like take that lesson. Sick. for whatever you want to um don't slap people i guess <laughs> um no slapping yeah <laughs> um and so uh went yeah went to Lourdes, um for uh three years and um my story of coming to south bend i i had met my now husband and was fairly confident i wanted to move to south bend again god hadn't really made this connection until we were talking about this but just like his kind of consistent providence is um I wanted to move to South Bend and a friend who I actually knew from NET um, was like, hey, we're going to start this women's household and we're going to rent a house. Um, so if you're planning on moving to South Bend, like we'll set aside a room for you. So I was like, sweet, got a job or got a house, did not have a job. And my hope was that um, I would find a job in youth ministry of some sort. And so my process for that was I just looked on Google for people who or parishes that didn't have a youth minister and sent letters with my resume to these pastors saying, hey, you should hire me. Kind of like a last ditch effort. I did not know what I was gonna do. And um, a pastor received that letter and then gave it to the pastor, the, the then pastor at Little Flower, Father Tom, who if he hadn't, if he, th this priest could have just gotten that resume and just like thrown it away. Um, mm -hmm. But he knew that this job was hiring and it wasn't even, po it wasn't ever posted, this job. So I would have never heard about it otherwise. Gotcha. Um, and so got, you know, interview that went, went fine. Um, and the really cool part of this is where Therese, St. Therese pops into the story is um, the day I was, I got the job offer. Um, I was in our, um, we had a, prayer team with our focused missionaries on campus. And so there are about eight of us who got together every week and prayed, prayed for the campus, prayed over the campus, and also led the spiritual boot camp retreat that we did a few times a year. And um, I was praying and got, we were just got finished praying and um, got the phone call from Father Tom offering me the job. Um, which like, I didn't follow the advice of whatever the world that says like, Oh, you like take a beat and say, Hey, I'm going to think about it. I just like ac accepted like immediately. Um, and I get to my house, like, I don't know, an hour, an hour later. And my husband who he was just my boyfriend at the time had sent me three roses and they were on my doorstep when I got home. Mm. 
an hour after getting a job interview at St. Therese Little Flower Whoa, Parish. That's cool. And so I was like, okay, Therese, like this is this is clearly like you're you're telling me this is the the right. And of course, like I hadn't told my husband Zach. Um, I hadn't told him that about the job interview. There's no way that he would even if he had heard about it. Like the turnaround time would not have happened that fast. Yeah, that's, like that's pretty sweet. Um, and the cool thing, just the last the last bit that's cool about the story is that that was April sixteenth. And we got married exactly a year after that, Whoa. which is really cool. That's really so, sweet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dang. So just a lot of a lot of the father just providing providing well for me. That, praise God. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Lord works uh, often with um, uh, interesting ways with employment. Hmm. Uh, he uh, he worked really interesting with me um, and and marriage too, hmm. mm-hmm. um, because. Um, so some of my friends uh, call uh, March sixth Ben Ben Nes Day <laughs> because right. um, the quick story on on that was mm. f- how I got the job I have now. Mm-hmm. It was also a cool story, but basically um, it was uh, that day um, in the morning was when I had planned on asking Sarah to be my girlfriend, and we've mm. been discerning for a while. Uh-huh. And so so we go we we go to. Um, we go to the chapel early that day, and then I asked her to be my girlfriend, and then we're, then we're official. We're official that day, and mm-hmm. then later in the day we go to mass, and um, we're 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 uh, or no, yeah, and then we're in the parking lot, right, about to go in. Mm-hmm. My phone rings, and it's um, it's 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 uh, the guy from Gra- my boss from Grotto, mm-hmm. uh, from Notre Dame, and he calls me, and he's like, and he's like, um, he's like, it's really it was a really hard decision, but you got the job. And and then so then I was, and then Sarah was like in the car with me when I got the yeah. job, and so that day marked you know the day that I got that I entered into relationship with Sarah and also mm-hmm. got the job offer Whoa. all the same day, which totally yeah was not obviously planned or anything. So That's awesome. um, yeah, March, got March sixth is that what you said? Yeah, March sixth. Yeah, right. yeah, so that was cool. Um, well, awesome. Well, mm-hmm. um, so here's a, here's an interesting question for you. Okay. Um, if someone asked you why you believe in God, what would you say? Hmm. That's a great question. I want to ask a qualifying question, but I, but I won't. I won't. <laughs> you can. Um, you want, <laughs> I mean, my question would be: This is maybe just me putting on my like director of evangelization hat. It's like, okay, who's asking this question? Like, what's, what's the their ba- Yeah, like, what's the background? <laughs> what? Where? Where are they coming from? Because um, I mean, the the basic answer is like I've met him. Um, when when we introduce people to Jesus and, and to God, um, at the parish level, um, we use this program called alpha and we talk all about, you know, we, you have to start with Jesus. Mm. Um, because you, you could make, you could, and I'm sure someday you're going to have someone on here. who's going to be like, you know what? The, like Aquinas is five proofs. Like that's what got me in the door. (laughs) Praise God that that, that works. Um, but we, we start, if you start with Jesus and you start making, you start making all of these, um, connections about like, how do we know that Jesus existed? Well, no one disputes that. Um, how, and the, the real, the crux, the, the question of Christianity, if it's like, am I going to believe in Christianity or am I not? The question has to be, did Jesus rise from the dead? That's the question. Okay. Um, more than anything else. And so I guess if I was going to get really specific and someone just walked up to, on, uh, walked up to me on the street, I would say, because Jesus is risen. Hmm. Jesus is alive. That's how I know God's real. Yeah. Cause I can make, I can make all the connections from there mm-hmm. about 
who Jesus is and who he, he revealed the father. He, he, he sent us the Holy spirit. Um, he revealed that he's Trinity. Um, it all, it all kind of rises and falls on the resurrection. That's where Mm. it starts and ends. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Um, okay. A couple more popcorn questions for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, who is Jesus to you? Hmm. Hmm. Jesus is, he's the bridegroom. He's the lover of my soul. Um, he's my punching bag sometimes. Um, he's the source of everything. Um, I could go on and on and on. Um, but, um, I think if I had to narrow it down, it just that he's the one, capital T, capital hmm. O. You know, I love you're talking about, you know, like we, beauty of marriage is we, we, you know, you're, you know, your, your spouse is your soulmate when you marry them, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, <laughs> that's when you determine. Um, but like, yeah, even beyond, even beyond um, the, the one, um, the one is Jesus. Um, and he's the one that bring, brings all of us back to him. Hmm. Um, yeah. Why do you, I'm sure you, I'm sure you need them for a lot of things, but Hmm. what's like the primary thing when you think of this question, why do you need Jesus? Sorry, can you maybe rephrase that? Rephrase the question. So why why do you need Jesus in your life? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean... He willed me into existence. Like my existence depends on him. Um, It's not like if he stopped loving me, I would die. It's like if he stopped loving me, I would cease to exist. Um, So I, I need him. I I need him to to live. Um, Every breath. um, Every breath. I breathe is because he gave it to me first. He willed for it to be given to me. Um, and he created me because he wants, wants to be in relationship with me for eternity. So yeah. Yeah. His, his love is everything. Um, I mean, that's one of the things I'm learning now more than ever, um, especially with this in- injury and surrendering a lot, but having a lot more kind of taken away. I've been praying a lot with Job, you know, recently the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he's taken away a, a lot. And so really like my faith was shaken hardcore by like more than any other time has been shaken because, um, because I, even the little things that I thought I could do for myself Mm. were taken away. I mean, I was, uh, I could not shower in my own home for like three months um, just because of the, the the blueprint of my house just kind of didn't allow for me to, Mm. to have the muscles. I didn't have the muscle strength to stand alone. And I, and our house just wasn't set up in a, in a way that it was going to work for me. Um, so I, I even lost kind of like the dignity to like bathe in private. Um, and so 
those moments or like the ability to walk up the stairs without having someone there. Um, and in those moments, those are really the times where I was like, okay, where, not like, where's my faith? Like, where is it? <laughs> like hmm. I lost it. Not anything like that. Like, like w- where am I putting my faith? Am I putting my faith in my ability to walk? Or am I put am I putting my faith in my ability again back to this wound? Like am I putting my faith in my ability to care for myself? Um, do I feel like do I have temptations to believe that Jesus is an option and not an essential? And I think even as even as a disciple and someone who has I've you know tried very hard to surrender my whole life to Him, and every morning we wake up and we have to surrender again. Um, it's really easy to um, kind of fool ourselves into like um, like self knowledge is and just intimacy with Jesus is so important because yeah, even those who are uh, those of us in real real relationship can be fooled and talk ourselves into like oh I'm surrendering everything like oh I, I I'm giving I I'm putting all my faith in Jesus um, but. I was really, I had to confront head on the fact that there were still many instances and and aspects of my life where I was putting my faith in myself. And I still am. I mean, just because I had this injury, it's, um, but even just like now we've got, it's a weird detail. You can cut this out. (laughs) It's too weird. Like, um, like we have like a glass door, like our shower has a glass door. And like every time that I get out of the door, I just, you know, your glass door gets foggy. Mm -hmm. And I just like put like a cross in the glass door. I've just mm. kind of like tried to make a habit of it. Mm. Um, because I'm just like, I can't, I'm never, never, I'm never going to take this for granted again. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just like back up one other, just like little story about this yeah. is, um, my, yeah. And I, I, I talk a lot about my injury cause truly like this was, um, like the most my faith has ever been shaken was in this. Um, and my recovery had a lot of bumps and a lot of delays. I mean, I remember one time, you know, there's another girl at physical therapy. I could, I could, I was still, I couldn't bend my knee more than 50 degrees. Um, and that was with like a lot of pain and like my physical therapist, like pushing it to bend. I had a lot of scar tissue. Um, you know, some other, another girl who was in physical therapy who had surgery the day after me. And she was like doing like lunges and squats and all this stuff. And I was just super discouraged. Um, oh man, where was I, where was I going with that thought? Hmm. Just flew out of my head. <laughs> um, not, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I was seeing kind of these evidences of my progress going not just slowly, but way slower than even the professionals were kind of hoping and expecting. And my conversations with my doctor were, were frustrating and disappointing. And, um, I, it was just a really, really slow process. Um, I was going in for a second procedure, um, to just break up all the scar tissue. And, um, I was in my holy hour, um, the, morning or two before I was supposed to go. I think this procedure was on Monday. This is Saturday morning um, for our just like super peaceful, wonderful Saturday morning adoration and confession at our parish. And um, I was just like, okay, Lord, like, I feel like this is kind of the end of the road. My physical therapist said like, you know, whatever kind of degree of, of flexion I get in my knee in this procedure. Cause I'm, I was going to be under anesthesia. So, um, whatever I get, like, that's it, you know, it's kind of the end of the road. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, 
uh, what I'm here. And, and he just spoke very clearly. He just said like, Abby, like you have like surrendered to me. You've abandoned to me. Like you, you have been like brave during this time. But the one thing you haven't asked me to do is like to do it, to do it. Like you haven't asked me, mm-hmm. um, maybe probably cause I was scared, you know, scared to ask and then not receive what I was hoping for. Um, and so, um, I was just, kind of struck at that moment by um there's this great passage uh john 15 about um oh man i wish i could think of the the passage off the top of my head essentially jesus says um abide in me and whatever i think i think that's pretty close abide in me and whatever you ask in my name i will do for you um because the father himself loves you and that just brought me incredible amounts of peace um so I was able to um, just ask the Lord boldly, like, I want full flexion in my knee. I want to be able to walk without crutches. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to go back to doing, like, everything physically. Like, I want to be able to kneel at Mass. Like, I, w- I want to be able to, like, honor you and worship you. And um, and I was I received that procedure and through um, physical therapy was able to kind of more or less get back to full function mm, um praise god yeah mm. and um and i say all that because you know the this was a moment of real real trial mm. um and i had kind of done what all the spiritual books were telling me to do and all the saints were telling me to do and jesus was like yeah but listen to my word in the scripture like i'm telling you just ask and and i'll do it Mm, Mm -hmm. that's awesome i've been thinking a lot about um like intimacy Mm. with christ and and how much i like don't um yeah just invite him into my life and invite him into my decisions that i'm making Mm. and um and uh so one of the things that sarah's really good about is she's really good about like trying to have um, like think of the Lord or I have a little prayer throughout the day, but I'm, I'm more of like structured, like I want my time, like in the chapel or, mm-hmm. or if it is in the house, like cut away from everyone, like, mm-hmm. you know, 30 minutes to an hour or whatever of alone time with God. And, um, and she's, she's really helpful in helping me to develop that more throughout the day. Cause that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of more, um, cause intimacy is, um, like feeling close to someone, right. And being able to communicate enough to them to develop intimacy mm. and you have to have that communication in order to have that intimacy and that openness and um yeah like just with like your spouse you know it's like mm. there is no intimacy if you if you the only communication you have all day is like is like you know um just a couple texts throughout the day and then mm. that's it mm. and then you know they get you know you go home from work and then you just like go do your own thing you know mm. so it's like if i just check in with god and i'm like all right we're good see ya mm-hmm. <laughs> see you tomorrow got my got my chapel time in <laughs> it's like that's obviously so important um and like certainly without that one-on-one time like mm-hmm. like actually one-on-one time is is intimacy right mm-hmm. but i think the like the next step for having more intimacy with god mm-hmm. is um is then is then that constant checking in with him throughout the day mm-hmm. and like checking in with him like Lord, are you wanting me are you are you wanting um me to do something here or, or like holy spirit where, where are you leading me right here um, or just like little nods, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. like, thank you, Lord, for this. Or mm-hmm. or you see something beautiful and you just mm-hmm. like lift your thoughts to heaven. And just like those little things that can bring you to him is something that I'm like, that that is intimacy. Because with Sarah, 
you know, we have, um, like I feel intimacy with her when we're just constantly checking in with each other and I know what's going on in her life. And, um, you know, um, or we just send little, little love notes to each other. Mm-hmm. Like there's just those little things throughout the day mm-hmm. that really helps me to develop that. So yeah, marriage has been really helpful for mm-hmm. me to it like challenges me to be like, mm-hmm. okay, all the things, there's a lot that I'm doing here that could also be transferred to my relationship with God to make mm-hmm. that more real and that more, mm-hmm. have more intimacy as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, marriage is like a really, yeah, just a reason that Jesus like uses it as like uh, an example of like his love so often. Yeah, yeah, it's not just like, oh, we make our vow like once and that's that's it. You know, you like wake up and we make our vow with our spouse like, you know, over and over yeah, and over again. Like every day is a, a is a, was I, I think it's a cute idea. I'm sure when I'm, we reach our 25 or 50 year anniversary, I'm going to want to do like a vow renewal. But like right now I'm like, yeah, but like every day should be a vow yeah, renewal and right. kind of like this, the same, the same with Christ. Like we, we renew our vows to him every day. Um, but we like have to li- live them in the same way. Mm-hmm. 100% just, yeah. Che- checking in with him. I'm curious, like, how do you do, like, what's, how do you do that? What is that? What's that look like for you on like a day to day? Yeah, for, for checking in. I mean, yeah. yeah, every day is definitely different. But um, I've, I've found like when I'm not doing it well is when I is when mm-hmm. I do my morning prayer time and I feel really close to the Lord. And then by the end of the day, I'm just done mm-hmm. for. That's mm-hmm. when I'm like, I did not. Uh, yeah, did I did not. I didn't feel close to God mm-hmm. throughout my day, and I really relied on myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, did did things the Ben way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I have lack of peace. But when I check in with him, would be just moments where, um, yeah, where it could be like praying for someone, and I'm thinking, but I'm at, I'm speaking to the Lord to like pray for someone. Um, so I'm actually like, I'm actually like trying to intercede. Um, it could be, um, yeah, like going for. I try to go for a walk around my lunchtime. So mm-hmm. you know, just being thankful for um, nature, like seeing him in nature and mm-hmm. seeing him. Um, like at golden hour, you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, just being like, God, like, God, you're such a beautiful artist. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Like you made all, like, it didn't have to be this beautiful, but it is because mm-hmm. you wanted it to be for us. Mm-hmm. Like, um, or just, um, yeah, like, yeah, just being like, you mentioned a lot about, you know, being thankful now for your health and for your, your legs to work more properly. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I try to be more thankful to of is like, yeah, like health, um, you know, it never hurts just to tell God, thank you. Like, thank you for, that you know my body's functioning correctly today or and i'm not sick or i don't have covid or whatever um and uh speaking of shower time mm-hmm. well i did exodus 90 you know we did cold showers mm-hmm. right and so after exodus was over the program encouraged you whenever you take a, a warm shower to um, pray in our father mm-hmm. and so i started doing that um like and like i'll just like kneel down in the bathroom which can be a little gross sometimes but <laughs> just like kneeling down right before the hot shower and doing our father just to mm-hmm. be like god thank you for this hot water. Like, Mm -hmm. this is amazing. Like so many people don't even have running water, Mm -hmm. let alone like spa temperatured hot water, you know? So Mm -hmm. just things like that. But yeah. What about, what about you? Yeah. Um, 
I don't do great at this. I I um I think I'm similar to you. Like I I like my chunk of prayer time, mm-hmm. and I definitely think it like sets my day in the right direction. Yeah. Like someone said once, you know, like you get used to praying in the morning, and then if you like don't pray in the morning, it feels like you haven't brushed your teeth yet. It's like you're just like always like thinking about it, and you're like you know just like yeah. when you know you haven't brushed your teeth, it's just like constantly on your mind. And so, like if you haven't prayed that morning, it's just like. Like, okay, like I'm like trying to find like time in my day to, to spend time, that intimacy with Jesus. Um, it's kind of like connects, uh, I mean, uh, really, truly um, working in a healthy parish, working in a parish where um, like this is not a line, like our, our parish staff, our team, like we're a family. Um, we enter into life with each other um, and are real about what's going on in our just life relationship with Jesus. Um, and we pray together. So even just, we have like structured interruptions in our day. Um, one of our core values, um, like one of our little kind of taglines is like letting God interrupt us, um, being inter- interruptible. Hmm. And, um, so, you know, it, kind of classic Catholics, like at noon, we pray the Angelus or the Regina Chaley. And um, at 3 p.m., we stop everything and we pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, And so just like having structured interruptions in my day with a team who I'm like, praise God, I'm not always the one that's like, hey, time for Chaplet. A lot of times people are like knocking on my office being like, hey, Abby, it's 3.02, like stop what you're doing and like (laughs) come pray with us. Um, So it's kind of like one of those like deliberate because it's easy to think like, oh, I'm working for the church, which means I should just like, like keep trucking and like not look up. And but like, that's the road to burnout. Like we have to be interrupted by Christ. Um, and so having just being able to, to pray together is so good. And then another thing, which really it's, it relates a lot to ministry, but I've carried into my, my own life is um, we have a, another kind of parish motto is um, God is the architect. Um, hmm he has the blueprint and um our job is our job is not to give him our plans and ask him to bless it our job is to ask him what the plan is Hmm. um and so we we talk about that a lot with parish life and so we're thinking all the time um like how am i spending my time you know am i using my time right now because it's what I think I should be working on. Have I given him the opportunity as the architect to say like, okay, Lord, like you're the builder of my life. You're the builder of my day. Like, what do you want me to be spending time on? And that's been catching me. Like it catches me a lot in my selfishness of like, I'm sanguine. I love to cancel plans if I don't feel like doing them. (laughs) So um, it's way easier for me to say like, oh, like I got to reschedule, you know, like if I just like don't feel like doing something. So Mm -hmm. this kind of like principle of God being the architect is like, okay, like one of the things is unless there is truly something that like the Lord is asking me to like substitute. Sometimes there are like legitimate things like something has come up that's more important and like, I have to honor that more important thing by like rescheduling something less important. Mm. Um, but a lot of times that's, that's kind of the exception. Most of the time it's, um, I need to honor my commitments and, and that's something that the Lord is asking me to do. Mm. Um, and so he's just kind of constantly showing me, um, that he, he's the builder of my life and not me. And so, um, you know, when we're planning things in ministry, um, like we're launching this incredible, um, 
kind of community life model called, called Households um, in the fall. And um, that was like 100% the Lord like was the architect and, and has been the builder mm-hmm. of this. Um, and because of that, it's been terrifying. <laughs> like, it's such a big, it's such a big dream, such a big idea um, that um, it, it's terrifying. Um, as this quote on my in my on my whiteboard in my office that says, um, "How's it go?" Um, if your vision isn't terrifying to you, it's probably insulting to God. Oh wow. And so I'm like, okay, I'm ter- I'm sufficiently terrified <laughs> right now. So like that's that's a good sign. But when we have moments where like, oh, this is super manageable. Like, oh, this fits perfectly into like smart goals, which like barf. I like don't like smart goals at all. Like I, they're super helpful and part of, I partly don't like them because they don't jive with my personality, <laughs> which I acknowledge. Um, but I'm like we have to we have to dream dream bigger. Yeah. Um and I think it's kind of like we have to like be small and like d- like dream God-sized dreams kind of simultaneously. Mm. Um, and that can be like, okay, dreaming really big about like, today is my day to do laundry. Um, so I'm going to stay small, but I want to like, I want to consult with our God who is huge, like his love, his knowledge, his mercy is huge. Mm-hmm. Is there a way that I can use my laundry day for something big mm. while I'm doing something small. Um, of course the challenge is, you know, I'm not good at doing that and mm. I'm not good at letting him use my small moments, um, trying to get better at it. Um, yeah, but I just, if I, if I had a tattoo, that would maybe be, I'd maybe get like a little house or something on my <laughs> wrist. That was just like, he's the, ar- like just be my, my yeah. reminder that he's the architect. He's the architect. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So what are you doing practically uh every day to grow your relationship with god hmm um i guess if i narrowed it down um my holy hour in the morning of course is the most essential the most essential thing um i call it like I'm, i've been starting to call it like my hearth time with jesus at night i just have this image of um uh you know, it's like your morning prayer is kind of like, again, I'm stealing, I think I'm stealing this from Father Mike Schmitz from Seek again, um, which those talks are so worth um, like re-watching or re-watching. He talks about, you know, like your morning prayer is kind of this time where you and the father like kind of sit down at the kitchen table and you're like, okay, what are we going to do today? Um, Kind of playing out with him. Um, And I just imagine like the kind of evening times, like days quiet, like the days done and you're just kind of like sitting, sitting next to Jesus, like on like your sofa, it's dark. You have like the, like the fire of your hearth, you know, kind of like going cause it's getting colder and you're just like, okay, like just like talking about like how the day, how the day went. So kind of like those two touchstone moments throughout my day. Um, the one thing that, kind of seasons seasons of doing well and not is um something called the Jesus prayer which is really popular and like the it's like the Jesus prayer is what you do instead of like the rosary in eastern catholic churches hmm. um so they have like a beaded um rope called like a chotki i think is how they call it which is like just a bunch of beads not not arranged in decades um 
And you just pray the same prayer on every bead. You say, um, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they just like pray it. Um, and they do it kind of through like breath prayer where you kind of like, if you were meditating on, on those words, you would breathe in Jesus, son of God. And then you would breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Hmm. And, um, it just becomes kind of like part of your rhythm. And so I've, I try to do that, um, it's it's cool just like it gets timed with your like your step and your breathing um and when you get in the habit of doing it um it's like you're praying it all the time and you don't even realize it like it's like it becomes this like part of your subconscious you're just like praying this prayer all the time mm. um and uh, uh i remember hearing on um cameron frad's podcast her podcast among the lilies she talked about coming out of her surgery she had a pretty major surgery and when she came out of anesthesia the first thing she was saying was jesus son of god have mercy on me a sinner it was just such a part of her um her kind of verbal prayer and her mental prayer that like when she wasn't even like fully conscious yet she was like saying those words out loud like that yeah like goals like want to want to get to there that's cool um and so just kind of like a way of just like trying to keep myself disposed to the lord um but also just one major thing that's been happening a lot lately is just like really trying to lean my ear in to jesus for prophetic word for people throughout the day um and just giving him openings to to use me kind of however again like wherever whenever whatever jesus um i'll do for you um at least that's my prayer i Mm. don't say yes to it always um so I will pray um, uh, walking into the grocery store and just say, okay, Lord, like I give you the opportunity to point out someone for me that you want me to speak to or pray with. Hmm. Um, I'll see someone with like a ailment of some sort. Someone's going to limp or, you know, anything like that. And just will help prompt me to like walk up to them and and pray over them. Um, And, um, a lot often <laughs> he, he uses that opportunity really, really frequently. Um, but I also notice when I don't do it, like when I'm not making those deliberate kind mm. of like acts of surrender, um, asking for divine appointments, um, I don't get them if I don't ask for them. But when I ask for them, he, he comes through pretty consistently. Mm. And, um, another instance of that is, um, even when I'm not kind of in an opportunity where I'm going to be reaching out to someone, um, I'm just, trying to ask the Lord like for, for words for people like, okay, Lord, just like put someone on my heart. If you have like, Oh, if you have a message for them, if you have something that you want me to communicate. Um, and sometimes it's like really specific. Like I had a high a friend from high school laid on my heart uh, a couple months ago. That's probably the strangest one that's ever happened. And I was like something about her, a particular thing, um, like an insight or knowledge about her childhood that I would have had no w- way of knowing about um, and was able to reach out to her and say like, I had this insight from the Lord and I just feel like I, d- I don't know what he wants you to do with it. Um, and if it brings you peace and comfort or, you know, draws you closer to him, then great, take it. Um, if it doesn't, or if it, if, if, there, if it, there's confusion or doubt or, or you just feel indifferent to it, like set it aside, like I'm not infallible. Um, but really trying to like put my put my voice and my intellect and my will at at his disposal throughout the day and a lot of times he's you know giving me particular words for people and laying people on my heart 
um yeah and then sometimes like having me walk up to some random person in martin's grocery store um so a lot of times yeah it's just like i um getting out of my head a little bit and 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 not just like being present with him throughout the day but making him present to other people throughout the day um even just something little um just like the easy thing so anyone like anyone listening wants like a super easy way to evangelize in the world um when you go to dinner or you go out to eat and you have a a, um, a server a, a waiter or a waitress super easy um they come and bring your food like whenever they come and bring your food you just say hey we're about to pray over our food how can we pray for you huh. and nine times out of ten they're grateful or they tell us their whole life story um or they are just really moved by that and a lot of times like i don't know probably like 60 70 percent of the time they sit and pray with us when we pray um and uh this actually just happened about a week ago um it was really funny because we were at this bar and it was really loud and i i said you know we're about to pray over our pray for our food how can we pray for you and she was like she thought i said pay we were gonna pay she was like i'm like i'm sorry like you don't pay for your food until like after you've eaten it (laughs) she was really confused and i was like no 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 we're gonna pray we're gonna pray for our food and she was so honored she was like can i sit down while you can i she's i think she said can i listen to you while you pray And, um, that was just like a really cool moment of, um, being able to, um, speak blessing over this young girl, um, to, to love on her, to commend her to the Lord and, you know, hope that he has more for her. Um, usually like, I'm not necessarily like following up with these people, just kind of entrusting them to, um, the community and trusting them to the Lord. Um, but yeah, there's always, there's always little little creative ways and i think i'm sure i stole that from someone i'm sure someone else modeled that for me and inspired Mm. me to do it that's cool um and do you still do youth ministry with little flower not as much okay not as much Mm -mm. okay Mm -mm. because um you know when we did steubenville Mm -mm. together for uh with the with the youth um um it seems like you might have a spiritual gift for shepherding I, th- I think that's the right terminology, mm-hmm. shepherding, which is like uh, the idea of like um, taking other people underneath your wing, mm-hmm. you know, and and wanting to like love on people mm-hmm. um, and wanting to, yeah, like pray for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I could see that gift of like shepherding, of wanting to, yeah, just like reach out and, and bring people under, underneath your wing or like, yeah, just like be like, be like kind of like a motherly figure mm-hmm. for people. I could see that a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, does that, um, is that that something that you felt called to, or is there something, is there something there that you feel like the Lord just spoke to you? Yeah. Um, I think particularly, um, I, I feel fairly confident saying like, I have been called to the vocation of marriage, um, but have just been also called to this vocation of spiritual motherhood. Mm. Um, my husband and I have struggled with conceiving we haven't had a baby yet we just celebrated our five-year anniversary um praise god though you know it's just he's just been so good um i have not once ever felt like um i 
we weren't bearing fruit, like that I, I wasn't fruitful. Um, I several times, you know, have had people praying over me. You know, I need, I need the truth spoken over me. Um, and one time at a, the young adult retreat that we have here in our diocese every year, um, someone was praying over me and he prayed, um, you know, your heart is bigger than you think. Um, and, a couple years later, maybe after that, was in prayer and had this really profound experience of um, uh, kind of more mourning. You know, um, you know, I feel I definitely have this kind of vocation of spiritual motherhood, but that doesn't make the 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 bumps of infertility um, like effortless to carry. Mm. Um, praise God, He's made the cross like a pretty light. He, he's he's right you know his his yoke is easy and his burn is light um and i've seen that seen that to be true because he's just shown me time after time like what i'm supposed to say yes to um and so he, he never he never says no without a yes um and so uh i was i was in prayer a couple of years ago and just kind of in those a period of mourning mourning you know feeling sorry for myself whatever um and Jesus just very tenderly spoke over my heart that um, he said, I have made your heart big so that it can fit many in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always felt kind of like, you know, kind of like priests say, like, um, they say like, I get, or, or, or even may, maybe in better examples, like a religious sister, like saying like, you know, I, I don't just have like one child or four children or 12 children. I have like thousands of children. I have hundreds of children. Um, and just some things that, kind of the Lord has really made um, made me available um, in ways that I wouldn't be for the church if it weren't for this like particular cross that we're, we're struggling with. Um, I wouldn't even say we're struggling with. This particular cross Jesus has laid upon us um, for his glory and for our good. And at some point he might like take up that cross and he's gonna like lay the cross of parenthood on our backs perhaps and like praise God, like we'll take it if that's what he wants. Um, but like, I will I will say yes to this cross as long as he wants it for me. Um, yeah, cause he's just made me available. Um, I'm able to intercede for a friend at four in the morning if I need to. Um, I just have availability. I have. A financial freedom that I wouldn't have if we had like a lot of children that we needed to be caring for, um, availability, availability in my time and availability with my prayers. Um, and even just our home, just kind of the context of our home, being able to be a place of, um, just reception of the person. Um, again, particularly with my injury, I couldn't drive. So all of my ministry was happening in our living room. Mm. Um, and that really became just a place of real encounter with people. Um, and yeah, so this beautiful, I don't know, charism of spiritual motherhood has been um, a great one. Yeah, where he's allowed me to walk with women in particular, young women, um, disciple them, lead them along, challenge challenge them, pray with them, help them to do what other women have done for me. Um, and yeah, just kind of like be the, be the Paul and Barnabas, you know, walking alongside each other together towards Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. <laughs> that's cool. Well, yeah. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to say? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. Um, let me think about that because I don't. Yeah, I mean, nothing like immediately stands out. But that's not a good answer to that question for a podcast. So let me think about it. 
Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, Ben. I don't know. What would you say for me? I really, I can't, I can't think of like a good distilled message. So. Hi, my name is Debbie. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Um, on the note of uh, spiritual motherhood mm. and and your marriage with Zach, mm. um, a, lot of, a lot of times the last question I ask people is just like, you know, are you still restless? You know. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, yeah, like, are you still restless in, in your walk? Mm. Um, just, I mean, you do a lot of things, Abby, you know, you, um, you know, at, at, at the church, you know, you're involved with so much, um, and, and, and overseeing a lot of things. Um, but you also, you know, are a prayer warrior for sure. Um, with just your openness to, you know, wherever you're at, but also like with prayer ministry, which Mm. is such an important ministry. Um, and I'm sure you meet so many different walks of life through prayer ministry and then also like as a spouse and with with your husband and and um just creating a prayerful home and creating Mm -hmm. a home for people Mm -hmm. that to come into um and everything and so so you've you've got a lot that on your Mm -hmm. plate you know um for sure and so um yeah do you uh yeah do, do you do you deal with restlessness at all and how does that look like with play out Hmm. Yes, I'm absolutely still restless. Um, hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm restless. Huh, okay, let me think about this for a second. Because um that's what i love about podcasts i'm like the radio is so much pressure because we're like eh, everyone's listening right here this <laughs> second <sighs> um hmm. okay come holy spirit i'm trying yeah i feel like there's something good he wants to say he needs to like distill it a little bit for me um hmm Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm restless because I'm in, I'm in the, the already, but not yet. Um, whereas before, like I didn't have the already either, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the, um, I didn't have what I have now. Um, I was restless without direction, without hope, without, without an identity. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm restless still, um, because the fulfillment of all my desire, um, like I see partially, I'm in intimacy with partially, but I am waiting for um, the the wedding feasts of the Lamb. You know, I'm mm. I'm I'm kind of like an engaged bride. You know, I'm I'm waiting for those doors to be swung open and for me to be able to to walk walk toward my bridegroom and be united with him in perfect in- intimacy forever. Mm. 
So it's kind of like, yeah, it's like the restlessness of like that bride on her wedding day, like waiting for those doors to be swung open. But I know my bridegroom's on the other side of those doors. So before it was like, yeah, like that passage from Ezekiel, like I was like naked on the side of the road with no hope. I didn't belong to anyone. Now I'm like, I am like dressed by my bridegroom. I have, I am, I think it's in Revelation, like the bride has like made herself ready. So like I'm in this restlessness because I'm trying to make myself ready. I want to be ready for my bridegroom. Um, yeah, I want my dress to be white. I don't want dirt on my hem and, you know, like lipstick on my teeth and like to be all like dis- disheveled. I feel like the women will understand these analogies better than you will. Like, yeah, it's super annoying when you wear a nice long dress and you get dirt on the hem. Like, oh, that's so frustrating. Um, and so I'm, I'm now like, I'm, I'm making myself ready for my bridegroom. Um, and that's, that's the restlessness and he's making, well, truly like he's making me ready. Um, and only he knows like the moment when like those doors are going to be flung open and I'm going to be able to like walk toward him, um, with no bar like no barriers, no, no like worlds of separation between us. Um, like it'll just be him and me. And then like, I'll never be restless again after that. Um, further up and further in, like from there on out. Um, yeah. So the good kind of restless right now. Mm hmm. Mm. Mm, that's beautiful wow thanks so much for sharing Mm, absolutely Mm. heck yeah thank Mm. you so much Abby for for being on the podcast today absolutely this was fun yeah awesome well that's all I got okay (laughs) (laughs) it can be like a little intro or like closing out music that like plays after this yeah (laughs)